Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 18. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what to do with your luxury brand and creating a luxury brand When you don't like rich people, oh my gosh, too funny. (laughs) So what if you don't like rich people? Can you be a luxury brand? Can you work with people who are affluent? What are the nine common mistakes that people make when creating a luxury brand? And why has transparency changed business forever? So I got this question from a listener named Martha. And Martha wrote to me, Linda, I have some knowledge of rich people, yet have met too many that I couldn't stand and found myself judged by them in ways that turned me off. Do I really want to be working with them just to make money? Wow, that really bowled me over, Martha, because when I saw that question, it said a whole lot, so much so that I wrote a blog post on it today. And you really need to go to lindapjones.com forward slash blog or bewealthyandsmart.com forward slash blog gets you to the same place. But I wrote a whole blog post about Martha and that question because, gosh, you know, when people have an issue with people who have money, it tells me that there is some sort of subconscious belief that's being triggered. And it tells me that there is a resistance to you actually building wealth for yourself because of this resistance that you feel toward wealthy people or this impression and opinion that you have about wealthy people. So Martha, I really want you to look at what are your thoughts and beliefs about wealthy people Who were the people that you're talking about? Maybe they weren't really that wealthy. Maybe they were just trying to act wealthy and they were really snobby because they didn't really have money, but they were trying to act like they did. You know what I mean? So here's the deal. A lot of very, very wealthy people are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. They're some of the most generous, kind, giving people I've ever met. It just depends on who you meet and what the circumstances are. So for you, I feel really badly that you've got this this sort of vision of rich people as just being judging and someone that you can't stand because that means you're going to resist wealth for yourself. So again, I want you to really think about the generalization that you're making, the stereotype that you're making. I want you to really work on trying to nail down where did that come from? Was it from one person? Was it from what your parents said? Was it from one incident that happened to you? What is it that caused you to have those beliefs about wealthy people? And then I want you to 
write down some positive statements that will turn that around because simple repetition, just like advertising on television is just simple repetition. It changes our beliefs. And in one of our earlier episodes, I read that quote by W. Clement Stone that just to change our beliefs, all we have to do is use repetition. And that's true. That's, that's all advertising is. So write your positive statements about wealthy people, about what you believe to be true that are good things about wealthy people, and then say those at least morning, noon, and night until you can get that into your subconscious because I don't want you to be resisting wealth because of how you feel about one or two other people. But other than that, yes, it is worth it to work with affluent clients, and it's something that a lot of people have said once they've worked with a more affluent client, they actually have found that it's easier, that they don't complain as much, that they're satisfied, that they, um, you know, it's for them, it's not all about money. For them, a lot of times it's about the time. And so if you can save them time by selling them your knowledge or your experience with something, then they're happy. And so I want you to really rethink that question, Martha, I want you to really turn that around and see the limitations you're putting on yourself about wealth building. All right, now I want to talk about the nine common mistakes people make when creating a luxury brand. And again, these are mistakes that most entrepreneurs make when they're trying to develop their companies into a luxury brand. And Again, I'm going to just review with you that the reason we're talking about luxury brands is because 77% of the wealthy built their wealth by having a business. So we're going to have a part-time side business for you, which is how I made my money was part-time buying stocks, but you're going to have a part-time business doing either your skill, your talent, or something online, because I really think we're at the point where everybody can have an online business, and it can be a part-time online business. You can do some work today and probably get paid the rest of your life. So we're going to be talking about some of those strategies on the show as well. But that's why we're focusing on the creating a luxury brand, is this is the foundation for other work that you're going to do later. So the nine mistakes most entrepreneurs make when creating a luxury brand. Number one, not telling a brand story. So the brand Victoria's Secret created a fictional story when they were creating the new concept for Victoria's Secret for lingerie. And they wanted to have a store known for lingerie that was not a sleazy store, kind of, you know, like... uh, some other lingerie stores had been. <laughs> uh, they wanted something classy. They wanted something that could be in a mall. They wanted something that could be a franchise type um, brand. And so they created a brand story around a fictional character. And the character was Victoria. And they imagined that she was a world glamorous model of French and English descent, that she was sophisticated and a woman of taste. And that story helped define what sexy meant so that when their buyers were buying clothing, they could think of Victoria and think of, is this something she would wear? Is it something sophisticated enough for her, not trashy? And it helped everyone really get the same vision for who Victoria was and who the brand was. So your brand should tell a story. That story can either be about you and your life, or it can be a fictional character. 
just uh, like Ralph Lauren's um, polo brand is a fictional brand. It's about polo playing people and uh, people that live in English manor homes and things like that. So it's based on sort of a, a model of a fictional person. But you want your brand to tell a story. You want to either have your personal story or a fictional one that can help your clients self-select whether your product is right for them. And many entrepreneurs miss out on telling their stories in their bio or in their videos, and they don't make their stories relevant to their product or service. So if you're using your passion and living your purpose, your life story is usually directly related to what you're doing. I call that your personal currency. And the hardships that you endure during life and that you overcame are what you're meant to teach very often. There's that connection that's usually there. Well, sometimes it isn't there. What if you're a dentist? Sometimes that connection isn't there with your life's hardships. And still, you want to talk about why you became a dentist. Many professionals leave out the reason why they became what they are and how they feel about their profession. So think about the positive things, and perhaps you like working with your hands. Perhaps you like doing some little artistic things or some minutia kind of detail work. Um, Perhaps you're just good at that kind of thing, and that's why you became a dentist. So if you're not sharing who you are with your clients, you're missing out on an important piece of creating a luxury brand. Number two, the second mistake, is not having a cohesive and comprehensive approach to attract clients. So your products, your messaging, pricing, website, your media plan, videos, social media, colors, marketing, it should all be congruent. They should address the 10 qualities of a luxury brand that I talked about earlier. And some examples of common mistakes where they're not being cohesive is maybe they're advertising two unrelated businesses together. I've seen that happen on websites. Or they're not appealing to the client's emotional needs, really their primal needs, or they're not showing exclusivity. So copying what other people do and trying to be like them is also a common mistake where um, people, I've had this happen to me, where people are actually doing things like I do, but they don't do them for the reason that I do them because it I, I do them for a reason that relates to me and relates to my background, my experience. And, and when I see them copy something and it has nothing to do with them or their story or who they are, it just looks foolish. So, you know, you don't want to copy what other people are doing. You want to be your true authentic self. You want to bring out more of who you are. And let everything flow together so the actual words you're using in your marketing, on your website, on your social media, they're all supporting and building your brand. And you don't want to have, you know, homemade videos that don't even cover the points that you want to be covering about your business and your, your pain points that you're actually solving for people. So another thing that they do is they often don't use photos that are not very professional in quality. You want them to look really of good quality. And, you know, you just, you want to stay with your brand, pick your colors and stay with it. Don't be jumping and changing everything all the time. Although I'm guilty of that. I do a lot of changing and upgrading. I'm always perfecting, but you don't want to completely change it all the time. And 
you know, there's a lot of money wasted on just perfecting websites when you're creating one and then redoing it and doing it a different way and redoing it, doing it a different way. I've done that several times and there's a lot of money just wasted down the drain doing that. But um, each time I feel I've gotten closer to what it is I really wanted and closer to a website that really reflects who I am. So now I'm really happy with my website. But when I first started out, I really didn't know what I wanted, and it didn't reflect me, my taste, my personality. It didn't reflect me at all. It was very corporate, kind of sterile, kind of, you know, not personalized. It was just very general. And the photographs I used were stock photos, and it, it just, ugh, it was terrible. <laughs> Everything was blue, corporate, you know, so... Um, I've come a long way and learned a lot of things too. I, I didn't start out having the website I have today by any means. It took a lot of transition and iteration. So I know it does take time, but be patient with yourself and try to have personality. Try to bring out your personality in your business. So, you know, it's better to invest wisely in a comprehensive plan that will save you time and money. So if you can get your branding all together, have it look similar and have it coordinate that's good and so those are just some tips for you regarding your brand and common mistakes I've seen number three the third mistake is overlooking what I call your highest perceived value your highest perceived value so your highest perceived value is a particular thing that you teach or that you know or that you create a product that is perceived as the best thing that you do, the highest, most valuable thing that you do. For example, one of my clients had written four books and one of his books sold 50,000 copies and it was a sales book on how to be a good salesman. And that book had helped salespeople generate millions of dollars in sales and that book wasn't even mentioned prominently on his website or in any of his marketing and he'd made television appearances he didn't use any of those logos from the TV appearances that really give third-party credibility you know when you when you can write as seen on ABC TV or I have as seen on Fox TV on my home page as a result, he was missing out on huge credibility and third-party endorsement opportunities that the affluent really value. And so all of us have buried nuggets of success. But here, when he had a book that has sold 50,000 copies, that really should be front and center and celebrated on his website. So think about any awards that you have or any television media that you've done or books that you've written. Um, just think about what you can focus on that can really highlight you and your experience and your credibility. And if you can't see your own value, sometimes you need somebody else to point it out for you. That's really common. And when I was starting out, I needed other people to tell me what it was that they really liked about what I did and what they felt was really unique about me. That took me a while to really figure that out. So sometimes it is hard to figure it out on your own and figure out what your highest perceived value is. 
But what is that thing that clients would pay a lot to learn from you? Or what is it they most desire to know from you? And what's attracting high-end clients? Most entrepreneurs don't have any idea what their highest perceived value is, and they leave thousands of dollars on the table by not knowing. You might think you're good at one thing, but it's something else you've done that the client wants. So instead of marketing that practical thing that you think everybody wants, it's the extraordinary thing that you did that's sure to attract clients. So let me give you an example. One of my clients is a fabulous nutritionist. And she is really, really good at working with doctors about nutrition and helping them with their patients. And recently, she discovered there was a DNA test that has become popular that she could test people's DNA and determine what the best diet and exercise, what the most successful form of diet and exercise would be to help people lose weight. Well, what a fabulous thing to know to be able to test someone and say, go on this diet, eat this way, and do exercise this way, and that will be your most effective way to lose weight. And you don't have to try all these other diets and, you know, try these different exercises, but you'll know for sure what will work. And that to me, was her highest perceived value. That was a very specialized thing she could do. It was something that people would pay more for, and it was something that really stood out as her highest perceived value. So that's, I think, a great example of that. The fourth mistake people make is being a commodity that people don't trade up for. So that means that if you're perceived as a commodity. And a commodity is something that is the same no matter what it is. Like water is a commodity or dirt is a commodity. Um, So it's things that are all the same material, all the same molecular structure. You know, water is H2O no matter where it comes from. But yet people really try to create brands to differentiate water. It's really the same thing. So a commodity like toilet paper is a commodity. It's really the same thing, but people put different branding on it and try to, you know, put little pillows in it and impressions that create little pillows and little softness and more sheets, bigger sheets, smaller sheets, you know, all different things to try to um, change the toilet paper and make it a brand. So you don't want to be perceived as a commodity. You know, even diamonds are a commodity. All diamonds are diamonds. And, you know, Warren Buffett was signing diamonds at the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting, and that differentiated them as a brand. Now it became a brand, and people are cutting diamonds in a certain way to create a brand. So you can differentiate yourself even if you're a commodity, but you need to make sure that your product or service is unique. So even a refrigerator can upgrade itself and become not a commodity anymore, like Sub-Zero is the luxury brand of refrigerators. So you want to differentiate yourself and carve out a luxury brand for yourself because people pay the lowest price for commodities and they spend more on luxuries. So you might be turning off affluent clients without knowing it or leaving money on the table that people would pay you more for if you were actually, you know, being more unique. So 
One of my clients had a website that was red and white, and the problem is that red can be perceived as negative sometimes. It also is a color that can make you hungry. That's why a lot of restaurants use red. And he'd written a book with red hot in the title, but otherwise there was nothing else, no other reason why his website was red. So I suggested he expand his brand to include red hot sales systems that would make sense of the red while building a cohesive brand. So just try to think about everything cohesively. And another client I had selected pink as a website color. And that's because they work with women and it was about relationships. And I suggested they change it to teal and lavender, which is still very soft and feminine, but could also work in the corporate world and doesn't have to be so pink because a lot of feminine products that are pink are like very personal feminine products. And so you don't want to use pink as your color. So use lavender and teal. That's a, a nice alternative to, um, to using pink when you want to say women or feminine, but you don't want to use pink. So um, life coaches also suffer from the appearance of sameness, where, where they appear to be a commodity and they have to learn to set themselves apart. So you can be a life coach to students or a life coach to executives. That's a huge difference between working with students, university students, or working with executives. So again, you know, if you're trying to be a luxury brand, you want to be really specific in your marketing about what you do, who you work with, what you've accomplished, what your passion is, and those things will separate you from the competition. So you want to just not be a commodity. You want to really separate yourself. The fifth mistake people make is selling to the buyer's logical mind instead of the emotional part of the brain. And that's a huge point that entrepreneurs miss. For example, in its advertising, Callaway Golf doesn't focus on lowering your handicap or golf score or how much farther you'll hit the ball. What Callaway does is they focus on how you feel when you hit a good shot. That's a huge difference. How you feel when you hit a good shot helps you enjoy the game. And who would know to make this distinction? But that's getting to the emotional part of the brain and past the logical part. You would think that they want to cut their, their strokes down, but they really just want to hit the ball well and feel good about that. So in my live events, one of the things I do is have people experience the feel of wealth while they're learning about wealth. And I also host events at boutique hotels and not big hotel chains. This time we're doing our live event on a luxury cruise ship. So I try to have people really experience wealth while they're learning about wealth. And this is also important with other brands like uh, champagne and things like that. You want to really celebrate the high end, the, the specialness of your brand. And affluent clients will respond to that. They really want to feel differently when they use the product and service. They want to feel like they've made it and therefore they're fulfilling their self-actualization. And if you're not tapping into that feeling in your marketing, then you're likely possibly repelling the affluent instead of attracting them. So to create a luxury brand requires speaking on a primal level, not logical, not to their brain, but to how they're feeling and right through to their emotion. 
a lot of entrepreneurs try to argue their way into doing business. They're attempting to reason with people why they should do business. But you really need to get to that emotional place because emotions win over logic every time. So how can you tap into your client's emotions? The sixth mistake people make is thinking you're a luxury brand without taking all the steps to be one. Sometimes people just think, oh, I can just jack up my price. I don't have to do anything else. And that's not right. That's ripping people off. You want to give them value for what it is you're charging. You want to give them quality and consistency and show value and discover your highest perceived value. I've heard people say that they're a luxury brand, but they really don't have all the pieces yet. They don't have the right look on their website or the proper pricing and packaging. They haven't targeted the correct market. They could be a luxury brand, but they're not because they haven't done all of the steps. So you really need to give a lot of thought to your branding strategy and be consistent. And even in social media, reflect who you are. It's important to, you know, speak at the right places and offer the right products and services at the right price and have all those pieces in place and all of those elements come together to form a cohesive package that will attract the affluent. One of my clients had a talent for getting media attention for people, and that would have helped her create a luxury brand, but she didn't want to become known as a media expert. So when people would ask her about it, which I thought was her highest perceived value, by the way, she kept saying, oh, I don't do media. And it really confused people because they knew she did it, but it quickly turned them off about her services. So I coached her to say she teaches the media attracting part as a third step so they know it's not all she does so they have work to do before they get to that step and go after media attention and with this change her brand came into alignment with what she does and now she's on the right track to creating a luxury brand so you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money to get all these elements working together it starts with understanding your luxury brand what emotions you're appealing to and whom you're working with From there, you can get the words and the messaging right. And later, after you have success and more income, you can invest in the website design and the new business cards and all of that because branding can be done in phases. While it's nice to have as much done as you can up front, you can do it in phases. And you actually don't even need a website to start a luxury brand or a business. Of course, it's preferred, but it's not mandatory because a website can always be added later, but especially if you're starting a service business like coaching or something like that, you can do the website later. The seventh mistake is not pricing products and services correctly. A lot of times people think if you charge more, you're going to sell fewer items. And that's not always true. But a lot of entrepreneurs fall into this trap thinking, oh, I'll price it low and then I'll get hundreds or thousands of buyers. And then the opposite occurs and they can't get anyone to buy. So this can cause you to leave thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars on the table. And many of my clients have actually raised their prices and attracted more business. But again, it's not just about price. You have to have all the luxury brand pieces in place to be able to raise prices. Because if you're pricing too low or giving away products or services, that can be a disaster because it could attract the wrong clientele, maybe a clientele that just wants things for free and will never pay anyone for their service. So it can send the wrong message and make people think it's not a a good product if it's priced too low. So 
you know, be really careful about that. And um, all pricing should be consistent with people's perception of quality and not just priced at the low end. People do judge a book by its cover and they judge products by its price. So even though Lancome and L'Oreal Cosmetics are from the same manufacturer, I still go to a department store and buy Lancome and pay more for it. It's connected to the feeling I get from when I buy it and paying more is worth it to me. It has different packaging and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's different, but it's something that is emotional. It's primal. You can't even really describe it logically. It doesn't make logical sense. So number eight, people often are not feeling confident to offer one's own work for a high price. A lot of people I know have a hard time being an entrepreneur because they've worked in the corporate world. They've sold multi-million dollar products in a corporation, but the thought of offering their own products and services makes them cringe. And it also is hard sometimes to ask for the money. They're not used to asking for it on behalf of them and their products and services. So being oversensitive when offering your services is a common problem. And sometimes you feel too connected to your work and thus fear being rejected. There is even scientific proof that women deal with this more than men. For example, in a corporate setting where men were asked what their job was worth, they knew how much salary to ask for. But the women didn't know what they were worth in marketplace terms. They didn't know how much salary to ask for, which is really interesting to me. And I don't understand why that is. But that study did say that women just didn't know what they were worth. That is a huge issue for women. And if you don't know your worth, it's going to be hard for you to succeed. You've got to get over this by understanding your true value and creating it in your brand so you then can stand behind your brand. And the ninth reason why people fail at creating a luxury brand is not realizing the era of transparency is here. By transparency, I mean social proof. In the future, I predict all products and services will be ranked and rated on websites. You won't buy a product or service without checking the reviews first. And maybe you're already there and already do that. But recently when I bought a rug, the website I bought it on had dozens of reviews from happy customers. And then a funny thing happened. I trusted the advice of these strangers. Even strangers' comments can carry more weight than the opinions of people we know. And this factor is changing the way that people buy drastically. So full transparency is almost here. Buying has changed. What is the world saying about your business? So don't leave it to chance. Have a plan. Yelp.com, Y-E-L-P.com is a website that rates restaurants and other service businesses. And soon people will access Yelp type websites for coaches, entrepreneurs, and other service providers. They're going to become commonplace. Companies like Amazon and Zappos are known to focus on customer happiness for a reason. And typically, businesses lose 90% of their customers every five years. So if you're not focusing on happy customers, that's a huge mistake. Every company's customer satisfaction track record will soon be transparent and posted online. Businesses selling items that don't work or aren't good quality will be flagged. There won't be any secrets. And if it isn't already, your business will be ranked and rated on the web for all to see soon. Just like my podcast is ranked and rated. People can put stars up and write a comment 
And by the way, I really appreciate that if you've done it. And if you haven't, I would really, really encourage you to do it. I really appreciate it because this kind of transparency is so important. It does help people to judge the quality of the product and of the podcast in this case. So I really, really appreciate that um, support that you give by ranking and rating the podcast. So here's your action step. I want you to identify some things that are commodities that are branded. So it could be some things that come from the ground like diamonds or orange juice or beef, but anything that's identical, uh, identical composition. So it could be cornflakes or oatmeal, refrigerators, faucets, glasses, or dishes, china. Notice how the brands differentiated themselves. Or you could think of professionals like realtors, doctors, plumbers, accountants, plastic surgeons. Think about who is the best in the industry. How do you know which doctor is the best? And think about how are you branding yourself? What are you known for? Even if you're not a business owner, what are you known for? What do people know about you? What's your reputation? What are you good at? What do people think of when they think of you? And I want you to think of three words you want people to use to describe you and then pay attention to being true to that behavior. So let's say your three words are smart, responsible, and successful. Are you consistent with how you act, with your choices of jobs or what you wear or the car you drive? I mean, it could be as simple as the footer that you add to your email. Does it show that you're smart, responsible, and successful? So think about the three words that you want people to describe you and then pay attention to what behavior you're doing that is either making that more a stronger brand or making that weaker. So what you learned today is what to do if you don't like rich people, nine common mistakes when creating a luxury brand, and why transparency has changed forever. And I'll just go back and recap the nine really quickly all at, all at once. So the first was not telling your brand story. The second was not having a cohesive and comprehensive approach to attract clients. The third was overlooking your highest perceived value. The fourth was being a commodity that people don't trade up for. The fifth was selling to the buyer's logical mind instead of the emotional part of the brain. The sixth is thinking you're a luxury brand without taking all the steps to become one. The seventh is not pricing products and services correctly. The eighth is not feeling confident to offer your own work for a high price. And number nine, not realizing the era of transparency is here. So again, I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm encouraged so many people are signing up for the 21 Days to a Wealthy Mindset at BeWealthyAndSmart.com. If you're eager to start on the first step to wealth, which is your wealthy mindset, go on over to my website, BeWealthyAndSmart.com and sign up for 21 Days to a Wealthy Mindset. They're daily emails with videos, audios, and information to help you change your thinking from lack to wealth in 21 days. 
how you think is the foundation for everything else we're doing. So get started now by removing your limiting beliefs. That's BeWealthyAndSmart.com. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.